and welcome to this week's episode with ADHD ambassador and comedian Rose Callahan. Welcome, Rose. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have Rose here. Her video on getting knocked up during lockdown is one of my personal favorites. Um, yeah, I'm a stand up comedian and I've been doing comedy for 10 years. And um, yeah, I got diagnosed. Um, with ADHD when I was 32, so like eight years ago. And um, yeah, I guess like my first comedy show, my first like one hour solo show um, was about getting diagnosed with ADHD. Obviously, there's a lot more awareness now, but sometimes if people message me on Facebook or Instagram, I don't know, I can just tell like from seeing the first thing of their um of their message or if it's somebody I haven't spoken to for ages, I'm like, oh, this is going to be another ADHD person. So it's been really cool to sort of, I don't know, raise awareness um, in that way. And that was so long ago. Like that was people back then, people were still like, women don't have ADHD. So yeah, I ended up, like when I went to Perth with that first show, I ended up meeting a bunch of people that were part of like a, support group in Perth and one of the women that helped with that group is like an ADHD coach she became my ADHD coach and she got me involved in other sort of ambassador stuff going then I ended up becoming like a official ambassador for ADHD Australia so you know I especially like in ADHD awareness month I do a lot of sort of media interviews and try and convince ABC radio journalists, like explain the whole gamut of what ADHD is in like a four-minute interview. One thing that I think is such a point of difference with you is that you were diagnosed with ADHD before you had children. And most of us, and one of the key reasons Mm. that women get diagnosed now as mothers is because their children are diagnosed. For you, you were diagnosed Mm. before. So I'd love to know a little bit of more about medication, your pregnancy, breastfeeding, and how all of that came mm. into play. Because a lot of us haven't had that experience. I hear that so often, so often, where where people are like, "What's wrong with my kid?" and they take him to a pediatrician and they say all this stuff, and it's like, "Yeah, but like that's that's exactly what I'm like." And then it's like, "Oh, turns out it's super genetic." I'm very sure my mum has it as well. But um, yeah, so yeah, it was a long time ago. I got diagnosed, and then. I had my son, um, he's like two and a half, almost two and a half now. So, but I've obviously been doing a lot of like advocacy work and ambassador work before that. And I'm in a lot of Facebook groups with like women with ADHD and they're always saying like, oh, I'm freaking out because like my doctor told me to stop taking my medication and like I'm really depressed and like or like they'd had a kid and they were breastfeeding and like you know it's so it's such a like danger time for mental health problems when you've just had a baby because it's like it's so stressful and you're so tired and stuff and they're like not doing well and I you know I kept hearing that and I was like man this is so sus so like I don't know. Yeah, I think I did know before before that, like that it was fine um, to take medication. I think I 
yeah, I definitely was like, I'm pretty sure this is probably okay. So when I was thinking about getting pregnant, um, I asked like my psychiatrist and asked different people and, um, yeah, I, I asked my like psychiatrist I had in Sydney, who's an ADHD specialist. I had asked my old Melbourne psychiatrist, like did everything I called. Um, I think that was, I think that was before like I actually got pregnant, but timelines be crazy. And um, they were like, it's fine. Like, but you know, if you want more information, call, um, Rodney White. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's like the go-to expert for like medication when like breastfeeding and pregnant and stuff. So he's at like Monash Medical Center, I think. Um, and yeah, I like got in touch and they're like, yeah, it's, there hasn't, it hasn't been proven to be damaging. And also though, of course, there hasn't been much research into it. Like some of the things they said were like a risk of a slightly lower birth weight. Um, yeah, maybe like having a, something to do with birth stuff, but not, nothing that was too crazy. And with pregnancy, the whole thing is supposed to be weighing up the risks versus the benefits. So it's like, what are the risks? It's like maybe a slightly lower birth weight and whatever. Like all the, re the research that has been done on this was based on rats taking meth. I'm not taking meth I'm taking like stimulant medication it's a different drug it's a different compound or whatever it is it has different chemistry so, this whole thing makes me so angry but um yeah so I just like get really mad when I hear people saying that because it's like the benefits for me taking medication is like I mean where do we start like remembering things, being organized, not like it's better for your mental health, but then there's this slightly small risk. But I just find with everything to do with women and childbirth, it's like the baby is the most important thing. It's like just in case it could ever be bad for the baby, we're going to tell you not to take this medication. And it's just like what it means for you is not factored in at all. So, yeah just drives me wild and then the same thing with breastfeeding I knew that it was okay in pregnancy but I was wondering about with breastfeeding but again it's not like a massive risk and they also sort of like just monitor things and see how it's going and it was fine and I just still see women on Facebook groups going I'm not on my medication and I'm, or like going how do you guys have any tips for dealing with ADHD without medication what I was going to say is I wonder if it's because there hasn't been a lot of girls or young women diagnosed. There's just no data probably because a lot of women are getting diagnosed after having children. Maybe there's just no research available. It might be partly that, but it's also just because like women's maternal health stuff, like no one gives shit about it to be honest. Even stuff to do with like having a baby is based on male bodies, which that's like crazy. They just, I th the medical community, they're just like, you know, like there's heaps of research that just, just says all so much research is based on the bodies of white men. So it's not just women that 
fall by the wayside, but it's like different ethnicities as well. Like the BMI, like the body mass index, which has been shown to be bullshit, still gets used and it's stupid. It's just divide your height by your weight or whatever it is. But also it doesn't factor in that different people from different ethnicities have different body types. So yeah, like a generous take would be that it's because women weren't getting diagnosed, but they're also like from what I've read it's also just because they're like oh we don't want to test there's this like whole thing of not wanting to do research on stuff that's like risky but it's like it's not risky because people are already taking the medication when they're pregnant do you think there's a feeling that adhd in women or girls isn't really real because if there's this thing around oh well you don't really need to take medication do you put your baby first do you think there's a thought pattern that it's not really that dangerous or bad or I'm concerning to the female. Is that what it is? I mean, I don't know. I'm asking, I'm asking your opinion. I just think it's like, not to get, no, I am going to get too feminist. I just think it's like this like patriarchal ideal that like mums will just soldier on and it's like part of our duties and we love being mums and we're naturally good at it. And women are great at multitasking and all this kind of shit. And it's like, I don't know. There's so many things from having a baby that I was like, whoa, oh, everything's unfair and, you know, hard. And just realizing like, you know, like postnatal depression, it seems like a lot of it is just because the person isn't getting enough help and people aren't helping them and they have to do everything. Like when you have a baby in a Western country and it's like, for me, I'd like just had a C-section. I was, which I emergency C-section. I wasn't expecting, and then a few hours, like I'm on endone. They've cut me up, and then a few hours later, it's like, okay, visiting hours are over. Like, see ya, hubby. Like, you're off. Go and get a good night's sleep. And I'm like, what? Like, what's happening? They're like, you got to look after the baby. I'm like, what? But I'm like so high on endone. I'm like, what's going on? I just. That was like very jarring going like, oh, you think that like I'm just going to take it from here? I just had major surgery. But I think if there was more education about like what that means practically for somebody to be really unfocused and tired when they have a newborn, like let's think about driving. What does it mean if you can't concentrate and you're super tired when you're driving? That's really dangerous. And, you know, having medication is important at the best of times. Um, Then you add in, like, if you haven't been sleeping and you would be driving around probably to go to appointments or whatever with the baby in the car. And it's like if we frame it that way, it's like, we don't want the baby to get in a car accident. Then people will be like, oh, okay, let's pay attention to this thing now. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I think it's just hard to get attention for like lots of women's um, stuff. I, yeah, I women's think health stuff you generally. I is so funny about a C-section because it would be the only operation where you are then handed a really important thing that you have to carry around and look after. Yeah. You shut the door and it's like yeah. ring the bell if you need anything, but you can't move. The baby's crying. You've got this yeah. human nappy, yeah. like this actually adult nappy on, and you're like, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm now left alone by myself. I still had a, I had a catheter in at that stage, you know, like, yeah. And, and it's like, what? 
what do you mean you're just leaving me? I know like back in the day they used to, like they would just take all the babies and put them in the nursery and now they're like, oh, it's bad for like the bonding and stuff. And I'm like, I get that, but like it's pretty. <laughs> is there a happy medium? Yeah. Like surely there is a happy medium. It's just wild. I remember I had yeah. one of my kids. I was in, it was like my third night in hospital and it just kept crying and crying. I don't even know which baby it was, right? And it kept crying, right? In the end, and I just hit the bell and I was like, look, I'm three nights in. It wasn't my first child, so yeah. I had some idea what I was doing. I was like, I need you to take this baby. I'm just like, there's something wrong with it. You know how you're just like, there's something wrong with that baby. It's not me. You take that baby. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't have the staff. We can go yeah. and get a night rocker, but you just have to deal with it. And they're like, this isn't your first baby, is it? I'm like, no. They're like, oh, well, we've got to put the first time mums first. So I, I know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, but I mean, yeah. look, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. The other thing I was going to mention as well is if you, and I didn't know I had ADHD when my children were really small and I was breastfeeding, but if I would imagine now, if I was just unmedicated, it would be very similar. So you know how you have to put your, like, your hairband on which boob you're on, left and right? I don't know if you breastfed, but. Oh, I didn't. Oh, no, I, I did. I had a spreadsheet, had a spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, so that I like. But, yeah. but I, like, it's so difficult to remember which boob you're up to. I got mastitis so many times or what bottle or whether mm. it's clean. Is it sterilized? There's so many small things that are really important. And you're like, I actually have no idea what's going on. And I'm just imagining that yeah. if you had some medicated mothers and they could figure out what was safer, surely that would be better for everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's like a no-brainer. Oh, the other weird thing that happened uh, that I noticed was when my son was born, all of a sudden I was just like, this medication is like not touching the sides. Like, it's like, I guess I'm tired. People talk about baby brain. I always get a bit like, it's a bit, I don't know. It just is sort of like diminishing, like, how hard it's like oh you've got baby brain something weird happened to your brain it's like okay well I'm actually really tired and I've got all this stuff to do and I, now I have to look after a baby but um, yeah I just was like really struggling it was like I wasn't taking medication and I ended up and it was this whole rigmarole of going to see get an appointment with the psychiatrist and this and that and whatever it took ages and then um, trying different stuff up and then I ended up like doubling my medication And then as soon as I finished, like I started weaning my son, but I stopped like just over a year after he was born. And it wasn't like when it was when I was weaning down, but like the day that I stopped, I just went doing like back to normal again. And I was like, oh, okay, there's clearly a link here. And then you Google it and then you say like, yeah, there's a link between like estrogen or progesterone and like ADHD symptoms. And it's like, oh, okay, like that's, that makes perfect sense. But nobody said like, by the way, when you start breastfeeding, you're going to need to double your medication or like keep tabs on it and let the clinic know and we'll get you in straight away if you're, like nobody said that. No, I see that on Facebook. My GP's really good. She didn't know. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I I see it more around like, oh, I've got PMS, my meds aren't touching the side. Yes. I see that yes. a lot. Or yes. perimenopause, which is terrifying, menopause, mm. huge surges of anxiety, medication not doing it, and it's all this hormone increase. I also think it's really interesting because it's around similar to what I imagine a teenager would feel. So you get a preteen girl coming into puberty 
And suddenly they've got huge anxiety and depression, right? And I just think there must be this hormonal big Mm. important part that nobody's gotten yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I always I was like, well, that makes sense because I always find when I'm getting my period or I'm on the first days of my period, I'm like, this is not doing anything at the moment. It also makes sense, like how much I started struggling in high school when I was around puberty. Like I just was like, str- like that's when I remember studying being really hard and being really anxious about it. And then my mom took me to a psychologist. Then they diagnosed me with OCD and it's like, oh, you were close. You were really close. I'm not, I think like, I think I did have OCD, but it wasn't, it was more like a coping mechanism. Like I had these like repeated behaviors and stuff, but it was just a way to deal with yeah, the fact that I couldn't study mechanism. and I was trying. How old were you then? Do you mind me asking? Yeah. Um, when I got diagnosed with I was like 16. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. say between and 14. And I got put on SSRIs. Yes, it's mm. a very similar story. A lot of people, 14 to 16, depression, anxiety, OCD or an eating disorder and then there's like some SRIs and it becomes mm. a bit of a shit show in my personal opinion at that point, adding in yeah. SSRIs to a, a girl in puberty. Yeah. I can say that I, it happened to me. It's pretty, mm. pretty horrendous experience to say it the least. Hor- I- yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's really because I do have anxiety now, and I really have this like thing about SSRIs. I'm just like, no. And maybe they would be helpful to me now, but it was just such a bad experience at the time. And then my mum was like, you need to manage your medication. You know, like I think she thought it was like teaching me to be responsible, but because I had ADHD, I would never remember to fill the script on time. And then I'd run out of medication, and then I'd I'd start withdrawing and I get really like I get sick and it was just like a whole thing but you know like that happened at about 16 but like it would have been building up for a while mm. so maybe like you know but they 15 also or don't 14 necessarily might have been work a- so if you have any person especially I think someone yeah. so vulnerable at that age you're giving them medication and talk therapy that should be helping at some point that girl goes why am I not feeling better? I'm actually feeling worse because it's the wrong medication and the wrong therapy. So I remember yeah, it was very cutting edge back then. It was like 20 years ago, they were doing like full body scans. So, you know, you do that meditation, we have to go and scan. But obviously, I mean, I've got an incredibly hyperactive mind. So me at 14 mm. or whatever on all these SSRIs laying there trying to do this body scan off this CD, like what hope did that poor girl have? And that's one of the reasons that this podcast exists. Because if we can get the message out there about what female ADHD looks like, especially at the moment, yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that there's a decrease in some of this ADHD being diagnosed as other things. Yeah, I think, and there's so many friends I have, like, I guess because I'm like a creative person, it's like everybody I know who's also like that. And I'm like, is it just going to turn out that like, being creative is a symptom of ADHD and autism and whatever else. Like it just seems like so many people I know have stuff going on, but a lot of people be like, I've been on antidepressants for this many years and I'm depressed. And it's like, why are you on antidepressants? And then later it turns out they get diagnosed with ADHD and it was like, oh, that's why I was depressed. And that's why it wasn't working. But it's funny that you say that. Well, I will say like what's working for me at the moment 
then, obviously it's not medical advice, but it's just because my anxiety is, I've realized it's like I do fit the criteria for generalized anxiety disorder. Like I'm, you know, I'm just, I go through, I'm just stressed all the time or I was like, I'm just, everything's overwhelming. I get really like, like with my partner, I'm just like, I just get annoyed so easily. I get overwhelmed. I'm worrying. I'm just worrying, worrying, worrying all the time. And but then because I've got ADHD, like if I don't have anything interesting to do, then I'm like, what am I doing? I've got what direction is my life going in? And then I'm like, I know I'm going to do a podcast and a new solo show and some other thing and do freelance work. And then I'm like, I've got too much stuff to do. It's just like this whole bloody thing rose and and, you know then you take like valium that is everybody that's listening and i actually say it's like going to a theme park and going oh i'm feeling really energized what would i like to do and you've just arrived and you get on a roller coaster and then about a quarter of the way through you think oh i don't want to be on this anymore but you can't because the wheels are in motion for all the stuff that you've just mentioned the projects and you can't get off yeah you you already said yes and then you like kind of motion sickness at this point you've had a bit of a vomit over the side you'd wish you could get off but you can't but yet a few months you don't want to let people down you still then get on another roller coaster it's like I do it all the time it drives me insane I'm like how did I get here oh well it's because I felt bored for one hour yeah and then you also like women with ADHD often feel like they've um, worked really hard you know before they knew they had it like gone the extra mile so we're like people pleasers and perfectionists and we like don't want to let anyone down and so then it's like we've got all these projects on but oh I can't just pull out of that I can't do that I could never do that it's like well you can you can just say to the thing like I'm really sorry but I'm I can't do this at the moment but then Uh, success but yeah like sometimes is based on ADHD in my opinion right so a lot of the things that I have done yeah I agree in in my life has been ADHD based decisions so it's also confusing because then you kind yeah, of get told, same. oh, well, pull back, don't act with impulsivity, you know, think about something for two weeks, don't say yes right away. And it's like, yeah, but actually a lot of those decisions have really paid off. Um, so it's confusing to then just change and not do that. I think it's like about like how much of a commitment is this thing? Is it like, oh, I'm going to, I had a day off today, I should be doing this, but instead I'm going to make these memes because I think they're like that happened to me earlier in the year, like that sort of thing. I did this like dumb post on LinkedIn and then it went viral and it got viewed seven and a half million times. But that was like a few hours. But if you're like, yeah, I'll take on this part time job for the next five months, it's like, okay, well, that's five months. I'm always like, I'm, I, I have been wanting to do a new podcast for like the last few years, but I'm always just like, it needs to feel right, be with the right person, the right opportunity, or somebody comes to me and go, we want you to do this because if I start doing it, as you know, it's such a commitment and it's like every week and what, what, what if you get bored of it or, you know, and then I know I'm going to get stressed. Like I did a podcast in lockdown and it was fun for a while and then it was like so stressful and it's like, why, why do I do this? But I will say what's working for me because I just found I was taking Valium too much or just having to take breaks from work to like do stretches and yoga and walk around and watch TV and try and chill out. And it was like, this is happening 
every day I get stressed when I sit down to open my emails. Like I get my heart races. It goes like 120 BPM or whatever. And it's like, "Mm, this isn't normal. And I don't want to go on SSRIs. Like, and then I ended up um, trying, I took, I had been given beta blockers a while ago. They sort of, they're more for the physical symptoms. People don't know, people normally take them for speeches and stuff, but I ended up asking my doctor if I could just try taking them every day. And that's what I'm doing now. And it's working great. Yeah, because I just get this sort of fight or flight, you know, instinct to do with like doing admin and stuff. And it's really like the physical symptoms that are the big one. It's like, whereas my partner, he has anxiety and he like ruminates on stuff heaps and loses perspective of what's going. But for me, it's like a big thing. It's like my heart rate is telling me there's like a tiger that's about to pounce on me. So that's not medical advice. I'm just saying it's like that's a little bit of a off-label way to, you know, that's I'm doing that. It's like a bit of a different way of taking that, but like it was just good. And I asked my doctor about it and everything. She was like, that's fine. Um, So, yeah, it was a relief because I didn't want to take SSRIs. But I'm open to trying them in the future. It's just like a big commitment. And on top of taking stimulants every day, it's like, it's so hard to figure out what's going on with you if you're taking a medication that like takes weeks to kick in and that you have to taper off, you know? I think like, I see so many posts and there's always so many questions floating around on Facebook around medication and, and dosages and what people should be doing. And, oh, God, I just wish there was one size fits all for everybody, you know? And I can't even yeah. imagine what it would be like having a child. I haven't medicated any of my children. That doesn't mean that I won't, mm. but at the moment we aren't. We don't need mm. to at the moment. However, I'm pro. If that's what it takes, I just want to do what's best for my child. So we're yeah. open, but we're not currently doing that. But I wouldn't. I it's funny. I'm I, I'm even stigmatized about, um, sorry, I'm even got these like stupid ideas in my head of like, oh, it's you shouldn't do that to children. Yeah. It's like just based on the media and stuff. It's like, oh, that's bad. It's like, is it bad now? No. Like yeah. it's a complicated well, I used thing. To hold the but same I view. think it like. I, I totally did. I was like, I yeah. would do. Uh, and it was the same when I got diagnosed. I was like, I, I'm not going to take medication. So I went and did all the lifestyle changes first, right? It made absolutely no difference yeah. to me at all. But I had to do that yeah. to know that. Whereas now I'm like, okay, yeah. medication makes a, dip, makes a big difference. So I'm a little bit more open-minded towards my kids. But I do think what you're saying is interesting because it's such a, like a cobweb of like anxiety, depression, thoughts, right? And so then you go and change your own medication and you monitor how you feel, which is also combined with PMS and everything else. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. don't look forward to having a child trying to medicate them, trying to figure out what's what. They're angry. They're sad. Is that part of them? Is that medication? How are they feeling? Yeah. And then yeah. I, mean, I can't even ask my kids how their day is because it's like you don't know. Mm. They shut up shop. Then they tell you so much doesn't make sense and they just they're like completely lie to you. And you're like, I actually don't know what's real. So I'm not looking forward to trying to navigate medication yeah. with children. It does not appeal to me at all. My kid's still a toddler, so it's like I can sit here and go like, well, I guess it's about teaching them to like speak about their emotions and having like an open discourse. But like I don't, I don't fucking know. My kid's like 
can barely talk. I'm pretty sure so, if you, you know, take but away I think, food dyes and gluten and everything else and have them on a vegan only. Oh, yeah. Program, I'm sure that will fix it, Rose. You just waste it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just a bad I listen to an interesting that's elsewhere. That's mm, the problem. Um, it's from Red Cordial. Yeah, there was an interest. I listened to this cool podcast called Maintenance Phase, which a lot of it, it's about like dieting bullshit. And they talked about the whole no sugar thing and a lot of that came from like the idea that it gives, makes people hyper and makes kids have ADHD and it's all bullshit as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. And this is why there's not one size fits all and I don't think you can say, you know, maybe it is red cordial for some kid. I don't know who they are. Maybe there it is. And, you know, maybe it is a food diet for some child. But But I wish there was one size fits all. That we could say, hey Rose, if you just do this, yeah, exactly. This is the best case scenario, and I mean, I wonder if your body then changes too, because we all age, we get older, things happen, and then maybe we just need to keep monitoring ourselves. It's draining, though. Let's just call it for what it is. It is draining. Yeah, it's draining. Yeah, and the idea of like trying to get your kids to, like, is this working? Do you like this? Does this feel good? Does it feel bad? Can you? Are you having a better time? I've had symptoms. Like I remember in kindergarten getting in trouble for like wriggling around too much, but actually grade two, and this is also says a lot about how much pressure they put on kids to like do work in primary school. I just want to make it clear. I don't know shit about little kids and medication really. It's just something that I do think about because it does scare me as well. Like if my kid has ADHD, I've still got, I've got all these stigmas in my head about what it means, even though I know that it works for me. Oh, so absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of people still hold that view. And um, there's also nothing wrong with that because, yeah. you know, maybe it takes that child to turn 13 and um, and then go, yeah. look, um, I'd like to try something now and they can monitor themselves. But, you know, maybe it's what yeah. you're referring to as a toddler where it seems completely overwhelming. Um, and I've got very small children, so it's a whole can of worms. Rose, it's been great chatting to you today. Or is there anything that you've got coming up that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I just did a tour of my show, Young, Dumb and Full of Mum. But yeah, just like follow me on the socials. As I said, I'm big on LinkedIn. Um, search my name, Rose Callahan, on there. And TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I'm still on that, even though I hate Elon Musk. Um, I do post about ADHD stuff sometimes. And... Um, if you work for a big corporation, I'm doing like corporate, so I'm doing like a keynote speech in a while. So it's like if you wanted someone to come and talk about ADHD stuff, call me for money, obviously. Well, I think you're a real credit <laughs> um, to the yeah. space because you're one of the first people to really come out and talk about it openly, female ADHD, and that's been so important. And I think the work that you have done even by a hilarious comedy or maybe especially by a hilarious comedy has really started to change some of those stigmas, especially around motherhood um, and your experience of motherhood after diagnosis, which is an area that we haven't really covered a lot as yet. Um, I also wanted to thank you for your time and reference oh. that I've just remembered that this is the second interview we have done because the first time I did not press record. So Rose has been super patient. Classic, classic. Super patient by coming back on and yeah, redoing I've the never, interview. I've never... I've never made a mistake like that before. I've never forgotten to press record on a podcast or an interview with an important, famous person. Ne- would never do that. I'm really, I never make mistakes. So 
Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so patient and nice, aren't I? No, no problemo. Well, you know, Rose, you're the most famous person I've interviewed so far. And I've got to say, you were incredibly wow. kind and nice about that because I was ready to cry. So thank you so much for yeah. coming, Rose. Um, and we are going no to worries. add no all worries. of your contact details down the bottom of the episode notes. So if anyone would like to get in contact with Rose, or if you've got any more questions from Rose about something that we haven't covered, let me know. And I can always send Rose another email and she can come back on if there's anything that we've missed. So thank you so much, Rose. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.